seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Welcome aboard, friends. This is mile 72 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We're so excited to have you back with us, and we got all kinds of fun stuff to go through today. New year, new us, seconds flat, back and better than ever. Before we get into all that and your training questions with our answers, let me bring in my co-pilot for this episode, the hound dog, Cassius, (laughs) is live in the studio and with him, his owner and beloved confidant, returning to the show. I think I'm just riding these coattails to stardom. (laughs) Cosmo! Welcome in, buddy. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. It's good to have you. We thought since we have a little Q&A format here in the second half, it would be good to have someone actually ask the questions. Yes. And then I'll try my best to answer. And you were so beloved from your appearance last month, I believe mile 69. That's right. You took the world by storm (laughs) with your story of running. And on a serious note, I know we're lighthearted here on Seconds Flat. But it was really inspiring to see some responses to your story. I I felt when you and I recorded, especially in the second half of that, there was all kinds of emotion that we could feel in the room. Yeah. And to get some emails from folks, a lot of people put comments up on their Strava log after Mm -hmm. they had a run where they listened to the episode, just to hear the uh, encouragement and the inspiration in your voice. It was fantastic. So thanks thanks for coming back. Yeah, I'm glad it resonated um, with people. And uh, thanks for the platform and and for helping me tell that story. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Enough of the past. (laughs) Let's look ahead. Let's move on. You just heard one of the big new pieces of the program. That's our introduction. We've been working on crafting something special there for a little while. Yeah to build the excitement and enthusiasm that we think this show is about moving Mm -hmm. forward. We're going to link those races that you hear the famous calls from. We'll put those in the show notes. We've talked about each of them at some point here. Those are just transcendent watershed moments in the history of our sport. You had Billy Mills there, Tokyo Olympics, perhaps the most iconic call in track and field history. Gets the win in the 10,000 meters, American champion, member of the uh, Ogallala Lakota Nation. 64 gold medal there for Billy Mills in the 10,000. You had Dave Waddle in 72 at Munich, coming from the back of the pack in the second lap. The classic sit and kick. We haven't seen that work as well in recent years in the David Rudisha era in the 800, where go to the front and just hammer a world record. But Waddle and his painter's cap in Munich from Bowling Green State University on the plains of Northwest Ohio, where you and I will soon be taking on the challenge of, fingers crossed, 
Maybe Glass City Marathon in Toledo is in our future. We'll be in the the former swamplands of Northwest Ohio for a little Midwestern Northwest Territory history, which is why people tune into the show, frankly. That's right. That was uh, the Black Swamp of Northwestern Ohio in the colonial days, drained, tiled, and some of the most fertile agricultural land in the country today. That's good to know. I thought you might have more to comment no, on I, that. I, I don't. Okay. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and then, of course, in the last clip, the legendary Sammy Wanjiru. Yes. The youngest Olympic marathon gold medalist uh, since the 1930s. That was his last great racing moment. We've, we've gotten into this before. 2010 Chicago. Uh, Sammy Wanjiru fighting, dropped again and again and again. The persistence and the tenacity that we want everyone who listens to this show Mm -hmm. to attack every race with. As he fought back, fighting through sickness, uh, the alcoholism that was tearing him apart at the end of his life, and the refuse to lose Sammy Wanjiru marathon major championship after, frankly a truly crappy training block he showed up and raced so again we'll link those if you haven't seen them get on youtube check out the links incredible race moments yeah yeah and incredible calls calls. that's right great calls yep stepped on your toes there cosmo sorry come on you're right buddy (laughs) also you are looking at one of our newest additions the new logo for seconds flat uh, some have said we were long overdue to move on from whatever our fearless advisor, Dane Simmons, and I created on Microsoft Paint in a smoke-filled back room somewhere. <laughs> I think we might have had Windows 98 on that computer. Mm-hmm. We kept the integrity of that stopwatch logo that's become our calling card yeah. in the new design. I want to give so much thanks to our man, Walker. Mm-hmm. from marketing management who's yeah. uh, been doing this work with us and for us if you are looking for someone to help you with designs with branding with all this kind of stuff and getting out your message get a hold of marketing management they do great stuff we'll get the uh, the email and the show notes on that as well and walker said in the design here our, our whole intent and purpose was keep it clean and kind of blend what we see on our modern performance apparel in the sport with that heritage and tradition in the stopwatch, in the typography. And uh, I think that captures what we look for in, again, looking to the future and trying to help all of us be the best we can be as runners in 2021 and on. And tying it back, just those clips we just listened to in the yeah. intro and and how much we have reverence for the history of this sport, and apparently for the agricultural history of the Midwest. (laughs) That might become a recurring segment. Yes, I like it. We got more resources coming to you as well, and that is one of the most exciting pieces of of what we roll out for the upcoming year. First, we are, are promising to you to continue the interviews and episodes that we have here designed to motivate, inspire, and inform. It is our goal that we can explore this creative path together. Let's keep learning and improving as a run community. Information in this sport is truly 
so powerful. Mm-hmm. And that knowledge can help make us all better. And combine that with the stories of people who have been through it. If, if you just look at the recent episodes, you know, Cosmo, you coming on with some great inspiration from somebody coming from scratch and not only becoming a good runner, but transforming life in the process. Coach David Roach on uh, with incredible insights into the long run, defueling, all that stuff. Ian Butler and the episode we put out last week, again, an inspirational journey, but a guy who is now at the top of the sport in American marathoning, one of the best now that we've produced. And so uh, our promise to you is to consistently keep that material coming to you so that we can push this forward and grow with one another. So a few different ways we're going to do that this year that are new for Seconds Flat. First, the YouTube channel is now up and running. That is Seconds Flat by Run In. If you search us on YouTube, great resources that we're putting together. We're rolling out the first batch of them now that are up for you to access. Things like instructional videos, uh, injury prevention. We'll dive into those a little bit more here in some of the Q&A stuff. And then we're going to expand that. Uh, We got things in the works. Uh, One that we're really excited about is some course previews. This is something I love to do. When I sign up for a race, maybe it's in a different part of the country I've never been to. I have no idea what the course looks like. I love to get on YouTube and search those videos Mm -hmm. and and watch the course previews. And I'll do it even with races I've done a million Mm -hmm. times and just ingrain that feel. We're going to do some of that for you, starting with local races in the upstate. I remember the first time, Cosmo, that I went out to uh, CIM, California International Marathon. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a net downhill course, but it is sneaky rolling in that first half. I got on YouTube and watched a great course video where they drove the whole thing and kind of slowed it down. And that's the stuff we'll do. But we want to add the next layer too and make sure we get some captions in for you and let you know where mile markers are and the features of the course because I watched that video and I thought, okay, I know the turns, I know the general layout. And then I got there and drove the course just to familiarize myself and I thought, well, this is a little hillier than my perception. You know, you look at a 26-mile elevation chart, you look yeah. at a video, it's hard. So we want to make that as realistic as possible for you. Yeah, yeah it's really easy. It's it's best to, to visualize that course and visualize that race. And it's a lot easier to do that when you, when you have the resources on YouTube and have uh, someone talking through strategy on those courses. So that's one of my favorite things to do in preparing for a race anyway is to, is to take a look at the course and, and do that visualization. Because I find that even when I'm sleeping at night, I'm running through that course. And the yeah. more I've seen it actually with my own eyes, um, the, the easier it is to do that. So super helpful. That is a, uh, a conversation that I've had with our friend of the show. Can we just, can we upgrade him from friend of the show to maybe living legend, Kyle Kugler? Oh yes. Talking about, you know, it's marathon season and you're a few weeks out and locked in as a runner mm-hmm. when Friday or Saturday night, what do you do? You sit down in front of the computer mm-hmm. and start rolling the course videos yeah. rather than going out with friends. Right. But I love doing that stuff too. Um, yeah, it's helpful. Additionally, we'll have more uh, run-specific strength training, informational, instructional tools for you. We'll get into the shoe review stuff with Run-In as well. So there's going to be videos rolling out consistently in 2021 and moving forward. 
Another great piece that we're excited to reveal is the run-in race series. If you are local in the upstate, or really even the region, mm-hmm. uh, some of these, uh, and we'll talk about one of the races more, are, are going to attract people from around the area. These are all scheduled to happen this year. Again, knock on wood, we'll see what happens, but the run-in race series is back. And this is a 15 race series throughout 2021. Some in person, there's some virtual stuff. That kicks off with the Greenville Half Marathon at the end of February. That is always a fun, deep, mm-hmm. competitive race. Gun goes off up in Traveler's Rest, take you by the campus at Furman. I know they've set their COVID protocols. They've got wave starts. So the race directors are, are ready to make that one happen. Mm-hmm. We are going to do a dedicated course and race strategy episode for that event coming up soon. That's that, going to be helpful. I think it's going to be great. I know a ton of our friends are doing the race, mm-hmm. uh, a ton of the runners we work with. So that's going to get as big of a crowd as you can get in this era yep. of racing. What do they call it? The fastest half marathon in the South? Yeah, you, you stole it, baby. I was just about to say they call it the fastest half in the South. I don't know that there's any real evidence to that claim, uh, but <laughs> I never. it's wanna, a good course. Right. I never. I feel like that's. I'm always PRing on that course, so I'll never run another one that's going to yeah. be as fast. But You just keep setting the bar. That's right. That's right. I like doing. Uh, I like running that one every February. It's a good start to my year. You know my other half marathon fast course in the south recommendation? Another tangent. Go for it. Get ready. There's going to be a lot coming today. (laughs) I love it. The half marathon in Austin, Texas, 3M half. Mm -hmm. I did that, I don't know how many years ago now. They call it like a downhill to downtown. It's really not. Uh Uh, It's like you'll see at the Greenville half, there's rolling parts to it, but there are some downhill stretches. And so I think the net is actually downhill. Mm -hmm. That's a January event. I I believe it got canceled this year with COVID, but that's uh, typically around Martin Luther King holiday weekend at or near the time of the Houston marathon, another great Southern race. Mm -hmm. Austin's an awesome city though. Yeah, it is. You're a musician. <laughs> yeah. You could you could make some things happen. Um, I'd love to get out of Austin for that race for sure. Yeah. I, I was there maybe f- mainly for the food. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I eat breakfast tacos at every meal, mm-hmm. every day. A lot of barbecue. Except for when we went to oh, the Salt Lick mm-hmm. for some barbecue. Mm-hmm. I should show you the pictures from that sucker, Cosmo. They had oh, the pit that they were firing stuff up on. Yeah. Breathtaking. Really? As a man who loves just hearty cooked red meat, mm-hmm. they do those those charred tips. Okay. Oh, good, and it's good for you. I can taste it. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> our uh, show nutritionist has just phoned in to say <laughs> healthy eating in Austin. Voodoo donuts. I think they're out in Portland too. Mm-hmm. Oh man, my mom went with me on that trip. Okay. We had a great vacation, and. What I like to say, mother-daughter bonding, (laughs) my mom and I. And she ate all those places that I ate after the race without having run at all. Mm -hmm. But she enjoyed it just as much. I love it. Great, great city to run in around the lake downtown. Yeah, shout out to Austin, man. Yeah, let's bring it. Let's bring it back. Back to the race series. So they're going to kick it off with the Greenville half. Mm -hmm. Then you have 
a point total for the entire series. And all you have to do to get into that series for the point total standings is be a member of the Upstate Running Club. And so this should be a blast. Various distances from 5K to half marathon, different venues, Swamp Rabbit Trail, Doodle Trail, that bear of a climb up Altamont near Paris Mountain. Get involved, join the club. The membership to the club comes with a whole bunch of great discounts and perks. So, So that is... Another exciting piece as we move forward. Other things that we have coming out. There is already a run-in group on Strava. I hope you will join if you are a Strava member. We're going to get more active there. Mm -hmm. Over the course of time, roll out some Strava challenges and stuff to keep us tied together, especially in this time period when we're still perhaps a little disconnected, a little isolated. But some fun stuff that we can do to tie everyone together there. Please, again, if you are in this area, in a Western North Carolina, upstate South Carolina, check out Pace Magazine quarterly. That's yeah. another place that has been a great sponsor that we're working with. They, they do a lot of good things for the running community. They always have that race calendar. They always have great articles. We're writing stuff there quarterly and growing our message and building on the stuff that we discuss here on the show. So check out Pace free magazine. Yeah, I love that magazine. I, I enjoyed your last article uh, about gratitude. I yeah, think. thank you. Uh, gratitude for the ability to run the people that we run with when that has been at times taken away from us this yeah, year. It was beautifully so. written. So thanks. Buddy. check it out if you haven't yet in the Pace magazine. We will be, and by we, I mean, I'm going to need a lot of help with this one. <laughs> We will be moving into a little bit of the social media sphere so that we can better connect with you, uh, our audience, and keep you updated on what the athletes that we have had on this show in the past are doing, Yep. letting you know what's coming up on the show. We're going to be building those out. We'll give you more details there as we go, but you will see us somewhere on the interweb yeah we're gonna start with that instagram feed and and start disseminating information and on those channels here real soon so i'm excited about that good thank you i know you love it yeah i uh i appreciate your endeavor there a big piece for everybody if you're enjoying what we're doing and and you're finding value here we know we are finding value in sharing these stories with you I get so much joy out of some of the emails we've received, and we're going to go through all questions that have come in those emails. Th- those are incredibly meaningful to us, and we want you to engage with us. Um, so, so if you are enjoying what we're doing, the biggest thing you can do to help this grow and continue into the future is please subscribe. If you're on Spotify, follow, I believe yeah. they go with. Mm-hmm. But subscribe, rate, give it a five-star review. Again, we are creating these resources so that we can learn and grow together. We're making the resources that many of you have asked for. And your support there is critical in helping us keep this momentum going. And it's helpful for both you as a coach, I think, getting all these questions from folks, but also for the listener, for me, you know, the the podcast I've loved most is, um, I think it was mile 54 when you went through all of the, what is it, the training in a time of uncertainty? Yeah, that's right. That was such a helpful episode. And I think we'll probably be touching on some of those types of things in an episode like this. But 
um, helpful for you as a coach, helpful for us as athletes. So let's take these questions that people have emailed in and some questions that I have as well and uh, see what you have to say about them. I got to tell you, for a temporary co-star on this show, (laughs) you're pretty darn good at that segue. You are quickly sticking your foot in the door to make this a permanent role. You are too much, I tell you. I'm going to... I hope Benji's listening. I just miss Benji is what it is. I know. Benji, if you're out there, first, (laughs) I miss your musk. Yes, that musk. I miss knowing that I can roll over at night and see your beautiful eyes. No, seriously, Benji, we'll be back again in a guest starring role, assuming uh, we're seeing stories about this right now, what's going to happen with the Summer Olympics, but assuming Mm -hmm. we're on path for about six months from now... Benji has promised his return, or maybe I've promised it for him. I feel like he and I had this conversation recently that he will return in a guest starring role for our Olympic preview, maybe make some predictions. I hope so. The surefire predictions to go wrong Mm -hmm. episode for the games of the 2020, now 2021 Tokyo Olympiad. All right, you want to hit these questions? So these are mostly questions from... Uh, listeners of the Seconds Flat Running podcast, along with a couple that I've thrown in there along the way. Yes, and I'll add to that before we go ahead that uh, some of this is stuff I've compiled over time from athletes that we work with when they ask a really great question. uh, There's a few in here that are really common that get asked, even if we've gone over it. And I know if those people are thinking about it, you out there listening might be thinking about it as well. Yeah. So, so thanks to, to our athletes, our listeners, and hopefully this gets you a taste of our perspective on coaching and training, and maybe also starts to get you motivated to dig deeper into one of these topics. Yep. So, so please, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com if you have questions from what you hear today, follow-ups, or if you want to talk more specifically about your training and what we might be able to do to help you. Cosmo, take it away. All right. So starting at the top with some pandemic-related questions. Mm. Many races this year, last year and this year, have been canceled and are still being canceled. Do you have any specific thoughts on how we can mentally and physically train in this moment? We can all commiserate with this one. To a degree, the article that you mentioned that I wrote in, in Pace is about this topic. I think everybody who has signed up for a race or considered signing up for a race in the past now close to 12 months Mm -hmm. has hit a moment of uncertainty about what do I do mentally and physically to be ready when the race happens or if it doesn't happen and I have to pivot. So uh, let's start with the mental piece. I am reminded here of the Stockdale Paradox. Uh, It gets referenced if you ever read the book Good to Great. Oh, yes. And Good to Great is more of a business leadership study, but applicable here to running in our current situation. So if you aren't familiar, uh, James Stockdale was a prisoner of war during Vietnam. And uh, Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great, read Stockdale's memoirs and was very much intrigued by how Stockdale managed to get through this grueling 
depressing experience and not only survive it, but also live a full and happy life on the other side. So he interviewed Admiral Stockdale, and I'm going to read you Stockdale's quote. I think it is brilliant and transcends that wartime experience to fit what we're all feeling now. He said, You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. That's good. So he kept faith, and he looked to the future, but he lived day to day. And he even said the blind optimists in the POW camps were the first to succumb to the experience. The people who said, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. Uh, Christmas came, and we weren't out. Mm -hmm. And then they said, maybe Easter, whatever. They set enough hard, fast deadlines that when they weren't met, Mm -hmm. and those came and went, and Christmas is gone, they struggled the most. They were often the first who lost their lives. Mm -hmm. I realize... We are not in a POW situation, nor for most of us anywhere near it. But the pandemic has been difficult for everyone. Isolating, yeah. We've lost loved ones. And at a less significant level, we've lost parts of our daily lives and routines or opportunities to do something we love, like racing. Uh, So I would say on the mental piece, stay hopeful. Yeah know that racing is eventually going to return but don't go all in saying my 5k in two weeks or that big city major marathon like boston has to happen yeah we have seen too many of those disappear in the past year right yeah in the meantime stay focused on what you can control day to day which of course is your outlook But also it's then the physical side of this answer. I would go back to what you said about mile 54. Continue working on underdeveloped skills. Maybe it's hill work. You can almost always do hill work and keep yourself relatively in shape. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation yesterday that I've had with a number of athletes recently. You can do the stuff that we know works year-round regardless of circumstances like strides, easy miles, long runs, hills, tempos, and you're probably going to get to maybe like 90-ish percent of your total ability. Yeah. Then when something does pop back up on the schedule and normal racing eventually returns, you'll be ready to just get sharp and get race ready with specific work rather than starting from scratch and trying to get fit. Mm-hmm. Stay fit so you don't have to get fit is, is critical right now. It seems like a great time to build a solid base. Yeah. And if you didn't have it before. I know I didn't before the pandemic hit. I was coming back from injury and I didn't feel like I was in the best shape. But now I've I've gotten new routines set since March, you know, which I think is an opportunity for everyone to take a step back and, you know, though our original routines got rocked, um, to create something new out of that. And the opportunity to get that base, like you were saying, is I think it's been super helpful. What about physically? Can you speak a little more to that? 
Yeah, I would add a point there. I don't want to downplay your first comment of it feels like a good time to build a good base because you are exactly right. I want to add to that and say it's always a good time to get a really good base. Yeah. Today is always the day to start working on that stuff if you haven't. Mm -hmm. It's never going to hurt you. To the person looking for the place to start, Mm -hmm. I don't know where to begin. Yeah. You do. We've talked about it here enough. You've got enough other resources to go to. Do the basic. Touch on the things that we all need in running. Keep the volume up. There's so much you can do, right? Yeah. That is going to allow you to be successful when race time comes around. I've joked with you in recent days as we've worked about how I feel terribly unfit right now. With that said, I'm also aware enough to realize I'm doing the right things right now mm-hmm. and it's eventually going to come back quickly. But I you know, took some time off after my last race and then winter comes around and sometimes the conditions are harder to run in. But I, I know that I'm doing things that I, I'm confident in how they will translate in the future. And, and you all can do these too. As specific examples I'll give to go back to your original question on the hill work. Hills at varying lengths and paces, long hills uh, of up to a few minutes, as we addressed in mile 54, but also some shorter ones to work on more power, like hill sprints, where it's more of a true speed mm-hmm. endeavor. Eight to 10 second efforts. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Threshold work at varying distances, attacking that pace range of somewhere in the 10k 15k half marathon pace work mm-hmm. at varying distances i my log I, I look back at i have done them at anywhere from 400 meters to two miles and just chunked them differently and tinkered with the paces a little bit as we referenced in i believe it was the alternations episode you know, coach steve magnus's point of both pulling and pushing on that blood lactate threshold, doing something that's slightly faster and that that is at that pace and that that is slightly slower. So you attack it from different angles in an effort to drive that variable faster Mm -hmm. in your training. That's great. Let's get into easy runs a little bit. Okay. We've had a few questions about that in in past, uh, from past episodes, from past athletes. I've asked you a lot of questions about easy runs. I always felt like I had to make my easy runs faster Mm. you know is there such a thing as too slow for an easy run easy means easy and i know i just used three words that probably had virtually no meaning everyone understands (laughs) that easy means easy but i just want to reinforce that easy means easy it doesn't mean a specific number okay okay do you judge that based off of pace at some point or a percentage of pace or heart rate or are there any factors that we can look to to kind of help us define that for ourselves individually i'm taking those by feel okay most significantly so cosmo you know i'm almost never telling someone to speed up on an easy day right so i guess the first answer is there probably isn't such a thing as too slow for an easy run, especially a recovery run. Right. Those two things are slightly different. Mm-hmm. I'll get into, put a pin in that because I can get into some exceptions maybe that we'll, we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, to me, 
the far greater concern is too hard on an easy day. Stay focused on the goal of the day. If it is recovery, which typically is true of easy days, if you have workouts and long runs in your weekly or 10-day or two-week whatever training cycle, typically then recovery, or promoting recovery is an important part of why we do easy runs. Too often we are caught in a trap of thinking we need to get better every time we run and that means running hard. Right. In reality, we can get better every time we run, but we're doing it through recovering and allowing the body to adapt to the previous hard stimulus that you've given it. So that trap of, I got to push and get better every day, can also lead us into a cycle of making every day more of a medium effort. Mm -hmm. and, and that to me is the real big drawback of running your easy days too fast. It's not in the easy day itself. Yeah. It's that if we push them too much, we don't have the ability to get as much out of our harder sessions right. to really get the quality out of those days. So generally, I like to keep it simple and think easy days easy, hard days hard, mm -hmm. and keep the two separated. There's time for medium workouts. That might be a different conversation yeah. since we're directing this at easy days. So I would say don't make all the easy days medium because then the hard days will start to come back to you and be medium too. Right. Especially in the longer term, you can get by with that in short cycles and maybe actually see really big jumps in fitness. Yeah. But you also are likely to see a plateau or a cliff mm -hmm. on the other side that could come with injury or burnout. Right. To the exception that I mentioned, regardless of ability level, we don't want to spend every day programming our body into long ground contact times, mm -hmm. okay? Because reducing ground contact time is a big part of being faster, moving through space more quickly. So that really extra super duper easy rejuvenation day. I might actually start putting that in training plans. The rejuvenation day. The extra super duper easy <laughs> rejuvenation day. I like it. It has its place, but that's likely not six days a week. Right. And we need to complement it appropriately with things like strides or short hill sprints that we mentioned on the other days. Another piece of that is it helps to monitor your cadence right. on the super duper easy rejuvenation days. Keep your turnover consistent, yep. more like it normally is. Then you aren't stuck in a routine of plodding. So everything has its limits. A four-minute miler is not going get, to get much good out of running easy every day at 10-minute pace. Right. In fact, it could be negative based on what I just said mm -hmm. uh, with ground contact time. However, if a pace calculator tells you eight to nine minutes per mile is your suggested easy pace and you run a few days especially the days immediately following your hard workouts or high volume sessions at 10 minute pace yeah. because it feels better you're likely better off in the long term at last to that i'll add starting an easy run even slower than what your normal easy effort feels like and then gently progressing mm -hmm. as you warm up yeah. Is that's totally normal, and I think both physically and mentally can be a very healthy way to approach easy days. That's good. I, I remember one thing you told me once when we were talking about 
heart rate training, um, something about zone three being um, a wasteland. I kind of took that to heart because I was, uh, I was, a lot of my easy days, I was keeping in zone three. <laughs> and yeah. it, it didn't seem particularly helpful, but backing that off to, to zone two and eventually zone one was incredibly helpful because it allowed me to start working on some other things. I don't use heart rate in my prescriptions uh, right. of what run training. Mm-hmm. And so I, I will credit for that language of maybe not spending a lot of time in zone three to say uh, an example like Steven Seiler in his studies on polarity, but it's the same principle as what I would suggest with effort. Yeah. If you get in that, as he uses zone three all the time, mm-hmm you would probably get more bang for your buck if you went to four occasionally and spent a lot of time in one and two yeah. and stayed out of the the wasteland, I guess I called it. Yeah. I, we'll come back to that principle in okay. another question I think we have later on because there's more to that discussion okay. that I think is interesting. Yeah. Cool. Another thing that you prescribe a lot on easy days, especially before workouts or long runs, are strides. Should I do those strides uh, during... A run in the middle of a run or should I do them at the end of a run yes <laughs> yeah all of the above yeah not meaning that doesn't mean both on the same day yeah <laughs> but both are great options okay I use both myself plenty of people I work with use both plenty of our athletes use both and I use both because I'll mix it up to stay mentally engaging okay. in part and and also to be aware of time restraints right. that variable my most important advice might be choose the option that makes you least likely to skip the strides. Mm-hmm. I ran with some guys this morning and we got on the turf field and did them at about mile seven or eight of a 10-ish mile run because we were running by the turf field. We use them as diagonals today, which creates just a slightly longer stride if you go diagonal off a mm-hmm. turf across a turf field rather than just down a sideline yeah so putting it in made sure that we didn't get to the end and say oh i'm just tired or oh i I need to move on i'm running out of time right they are so simple and valuable but we will come up with excuses like time for not doing them so foremost here is the construction that makes you the most likely to do them okay with that said within a run to me I like constituting them, uh, constituting strides as the simple fartlek of 15 to 20 seconds of striding, then up to a minute easy. So maybe you have an hour run for the day, and at minute 30 or 40, you just put in six, eight, potentially up to 10, depending how many, how much experience you have, cycles of 20 on, 60 off. Mm-hmm. You do see that prescribed often in, in training plans is uh, one-minute cycles of 2040, mm-hmm. fartlek, rather than what I just said of 2060. Uh, I like that extended recovery a little more to be certain that we keep this targeted as a neuromuscular activity rather than an aerobic one. Yeah. You know, you can make fartlek running into an aerobic exercise very easily, and that's often what it's designed to be. But I don't know that that's where you want to go in this example. 
this way we're going to finish each rep fresh and our mechanics are optimized. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're going to go for the end of the run, also a great time for strides. This can be nice because then you can finish with that appropriate muscle tension to get you ready for a workout the following day. You yeah. mentioned one of the reasons to do them is the day before a workout or yeah. a race. It's also great if you ever do them barefoot on a soft surface. Yeah. I love that. And that's going to build foot strength and help reinforce form. And then from a functional perspective, by the time you kick off your shoes and your socks and you do barefoot strides, if you're close to home, you might just want to finish up there and put the shoes and socks back on and, and head home rather yeah. than going through the process of, I got to stop, get these back on, tie up the shoes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I always do mine in the middle of my workout, about 30 minutes in, um, or in the middle of my easy run, should I say, so that I actually do them. If I get back home, I know that there's there are things that I have to do next that I'll often, I often wouldn't do them, I'm sure, but it just so works out that the turf that you've always done strides on yeah. um, is just uh, midway through my workout when I run into downtown, so it kind of works out perfectly. Yeah, two things then to, to wrap this discussion up. One is... You're doing what works for the situation for you. Yeah. And so I, again, encourage that. Just make sure you're getting them in. And two, I do want to add the other places you might use strides in addition to during or at the end of an easy day, maybe before a workout or before a race. You might use them in your build up to a workout or to a race mm -hmm. as part of your warm up in a natural progression to racing. Uh, this is one of those where I could go on a tangent for days. Uh, um, I would not make them the last thing, a hard stride. I would not make the last thing you do before a race. Let's say you're getting on the line for a 5K. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to program my body to run mile pace as it kind of its last thought, I would rather extend that stride a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and bring the pace down just a touch so that it's more race-like. Mm -hmm. You know, the last thing I'm trying to do before a race is uh, try to introduce perhaps really long, like minute to two minute strides so that it's more like threshold type running. So you're introducing some of the blood lactate at level elevation mm -hmm. and not just dumping that all in your body and getting a huge spike when you get on the line and then shoot off real fast yeah. and you're, you're cold and haven't built those, um, built those levels up. Mm -hmm. But also I don't want my body thinking about like, oh yeah, I'm going to run at 800 meter pace right. for this however long into this race. That makes sense. Uh, the other thing you can do with them, the other point is... At, they can fit at the end of workouts as well. Mm -hmm. I like this when you're going from something that's uh, very generally aerobic and yeah. is not especially stressful. Mm -hmm. I don't do this as much in my running and training because I, I tend to like to shift the muscle recruitment and maybe go to short, fast hills instead. But you could even do both. Yeah. So let's say you did a session of progression run for five miles let's say and it ended at half marathon pace we haven't gone super taxing here this might be a nice place to put in some strides at the end or or maybe even lengthen them out a little bit and go to 150 200 meters at mile pace that's good also in mile 70 i guess it was mile 70 
David Roach talked about doing strides the day after a long run. Yes. Um, what's the benefit there? Yeah, that was a great point that we didn't expound on there. Right. But what he's speaking to, I, I think he may have briefly referenced the the tail of fatigue that comes off of a workout. Yeah. And so what you're getting is like compounding benefits from the day before. I see. And also, he's probably referencing there as well, that almost like shaking out value yeah. you get from it and feeling fresh yeah. and re- rebounding from that previous long or hard effort. Uh, speaking to shakeouts. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> doubles. Mm-hmm. When and why uh, would we include doubles? Why would we run twice in a day? What's the advantages and disadvantages to that? As a guy who runs a lot of these yeah, and has dabbled in the crazy world of triples oh, wow! even before first i would say before going to running twice in any day any runners should evaluate their current quantity of runs per microcycle. i say microcycle because we don't all use a week as our training uh, cycle that we're in on, on a small scale yeah so if you're on a week cycle as an example and you're running four days per week The next step that you might want to take in your improvement is adding a fifth day of running. Yeah. Then adding eventually a sixth day of running possibly before you look at adding a second run into one of those other days, assuming that you are doing the doubling to increase volume Mm -hmm. because that is the reason most people do it. And let's shift that into the distance or time that you're running. If you're running, say, 15 miles a week, it's probably both impractical and unnecessary to start running twice in a day. Right. I think you can run 50, even 60 miles a week well off all singles. Mm -hmm. You can go above that. And in one of our early episodes, Ricky Flynn, who is a 212 marathoner, talked about in the build-up to that Olympic trials cycle, he was only running six days a week, but he was running singles, and he was getting up around 120 miles. Oh, wow. So he was running almost every day at yeah. 20 miles and doing different things, sometimes easy, sometimes workouts, whatever it was. Right. Okay. Now, outlier there, but it gives you a point of you can go probably beyond where you are now mm-hmm. off singles. And that assumes weekly mileage is even a valuable measurement for your running growth, which that might be a whole different discussion. Mm -hmm. Now, when and why should I use them? Yeah, this is a discussion probably for more experienced athletes, but there's several situations. The first we've talked about is adding volume. It's a simple route to build aerobic endurance. You could also look at it for adding the number of total number of sessions within a cycle and so that might allow for more opportunities at recovery between harder sessions Mm -hmm. right if you worked out hard on a tuesday and on a friday and singled you would have wednesday and thursday two chances to recover easily Mm -hmm. but if you took your wednesday and thursday or let's just say you took your wednesday run and split it up into two Mm -hmm. now you have created two sessions on Wednesday, one on Thursday, you have three chances at recovery. And we know that active recovery, the blood flow that comes with it, those elements are 
very helpful in then getting you more prepared to feel good and run well mm-hmm. on Friday. Okay. Okay. So so when are we using them? Here are the places that I like to introduce them. And one goes to the point I was just making. First, if you do morning workouts like I do, then I love an easy double in the afternoon or evening. Okay. For me, that's typically about 30 to 35 minutes. But our athletes will do anywhere between 25 and 40. Mm. It depends on their pace and experience and a lot of multiple variables. But we're generally looking, if you were going to put a number on it, at three to five mile range probably is. If you're just doing it to expedite the oxidative recovery from the hard workout, mm-hmm. that's plenty of distance and time. And anecdotally, we see athletes feeling better the next day as a result. Yeah, I know I have. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Me too. And again, a discussion that is for another Q&A. How long does your warm-up need, uh, excuse me, how long does your cool-down need to be? There could be evidence that we cool down too far or not far enough, depending on the circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so you could, if you say, well, I only have time for a mile to cool down. Okay. That's another great reason that then you go out for this second one later and get a few miles in. Not as a replacement for the cool down, but in addition to... As a supplement for it and potentially a more effective method for doing it. You might still do your normal cool down. Let's say you like to cool down for three miles. You could still do that and then get another three miles later Mm -hmm. and benefit from it. But you might only have time for two or 10 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. which is probably enough time. Truthfully, it's probably enough time to cool down uh, and start to unwind and and get the positive effects of what we like to call turning the lights off and as a better term for cooling down. Like at the, at, mm. in the warm up, you turn the lights on. You don't wake up first thing in the morning and just turn every light on in the house, right? You do it slowly. And at night, you kind of unwind. Um, you don't go from daylights to complete pitch black, right? Mm-hmm. The sun sets. You turn the lights off in the house. You can turn the lights off and then come back and double a- and get that oxidative recovery. Feel better the next day. You see that in good programs from colleges all the way up to, uh, say, Bowerman Track Club, mm-hmm. Jerry Schumacher. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll double on other days sometimes too, I know. But you see it after a lot of their workout days. The next reason you could do it would be breaking up an easy day. So I always like to point out that in running and doubling, five miles plus five miles doesn't equal 10 miles. It could be better or worse depending on the situation. Instead of a single 75-minute run, we might benefit more from 45 in the morning and 30 in the afternoon if recovery is our sole goal for the day. I might have to try that. Yeah, it's something that I use a lot as someone who knows that I'm running a lot of miles. I'm trying to get in long runs with quality and preparation for long races, and I'm not getting younger you know, I have to be aware of my body's limits. And so again, the purpose is what's so significant. We we say this here all the time. Know why you are doing what you are doing 
when you are doing it. Mm -hmm. If it fits into that construct, then doubling starts to make sense. And plus, in that example of breaking up those easy days, now we're increasing frequency yeah. uh, of running. And that can be another positive that allows us to increase also volume in a really healthy way. Mm-hmm. Frequency can be a great variable to get better. Look at the training of some of the guys that we see as more like old school legend types, like a, like a Boston Billy Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hitting doubles and even triples because he saw the value in frequency. You're getting the run stimulus more often without the breakdown you might get from doing all of that in a single run day after day after day after day. Okay. But again, return to point one I made. Yeah. Adding another day of running before you get all fired up and starting to hammer doubles Mm -hmm. is probably best. And I know a lot of people listening are thinking like, oh, doubling. Eek. <laughs> right. That doesn't sound encouraging to them. I'll go back to what David Roach said in Mile 70. If it sounds so miserable to you, even the thought of it, it's probably not for you. Right. I know I didn't start doubling until I got up to maybe 60 miles a week or so. I was running every day. Mm-hmm. And then you know, prior to that, just didn't it didn't enter my mind to need that. I also was using it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> to, if I, you know, like the other day, I guess it was Tuesday, I had a workout with the guys at the track and we were running a little late. And so right after the last hill, I jumped in the car because I had to get home to help with the morning routine at the house. And then the afternoon I doubled, but I don't know that that was the right time to do it or the right way to do it going forward. I'd probably just wake up a little earlier and get, um, get the workout in, get a a mile in or so afterward. Right. Or if you just even got five or 10 minutes afterward, You would have been better off. And then you still could have doubled right. at least a brief cool down mm-hmm. after you had that hard workout. Right. I'll have to I'll have to institute that next time. Cosmo, we have uh, some other really good questions, but I think we're at the point where we probably need to split this up into a second episode because we've gotten through so much quality material here today about where the podcast is headed and the resources that we are going to be presenting for everyone started to hit on your questions. So we'll come back at you next time in mile 73 and hit on the rest of these questions and answers. Great stuff about uh, sleep, stretching, tune-up races, hydration strategies, a whole bunch more that we're going to get into in the next one. So we'll fold this into a second episode. We'll be coming back at you next week with this. Thank you again to everybody who reached out to us for for more information and allowing us to share in this process with you. Learn Learn together and create a stronger run community. As we mentioned before, all those new resources, as well as the races from the intro, contact information are going to be linked in the show notes. Hope that you will check out the new YouTube channel. Subscribe there so you can get the content as we roll it out. Again, please subscribe, rate, and review here for Seconds Flat Running Podcast. And if you want to get a hold of us, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And we can't wait to come back at you with more in mile 73. It looks like Cosmo 
is going to get another episode under his belt. That's why I kept asking the questions. (laughs) All right, guys. We will see you next time. Have a fantastic week.